As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Thomas. Hey, V. How are you doing? Doing good. So you may be wondering, why no Eric? Well, after the moon debacle, we had to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he's uh, he's doing a part-time job training right now, um, trying to make that money so he can continue doing his YouTube channel, which you should check out. And <laughs> it's not self-promotion because I'm promoting it. Um, how are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be back on. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Any interesting new stuff happening? Well, we've got the Faithless Forum Conference coming up pretty That's soon. That's right. Um, I cannot give the exact date because we're still locking in the venue. But this year, we're looking at bringing it back to Austin, Texas. And for people not familiar, the Faithless Forum is the first conference ever organized entirely by atheist YouTubers. We bring in guests from all over the world. And it's where you can meet your favorite YouTubers. That's like amazing. people who appear on these shows here at the ACA. I remember last year, I was so bummed that I couldn't go. Mm. And this year, I'm... You know, I'm definitely going to be there in some capacity. It's a lot of fun. Just a fangirl over the other atheist YouTubers that show up. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to get into calls in a minute, but we do have a couple announcements. Uh, first, call us. We've got some lines open. Um, the number is 512-686-0279. If you have a story about your deconversion process or a question about uh, God or the universe or anything like that, we are definitely qualified to answer those subject objectively. Um, also, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, um, and it's donations that keep the lights on, keep these shows going. So if you like what you see here, feel free to hop over to patreon.com slash talkheathen to me uh, and leave a donation. 
information. We'll be thanking our top five patrons about two-thirds of the way through the show. Uh, so if you'd like your name read on air, uh, we refresh it right before we read it out. Uh, so you've still got time to do that. Um, after the show, Atheist Vanguard will be um, airing at 3, so be sure to check that out. And we're going to be hopping on Discord after this uh, for a brief conversation and Q&A with me and Thomas. Uh, so feel free to jump in there, and that link should be in the lower third as well. That's tiny.cc slash ACA Discord. And before we jump into calls, I've just got a quick and exciting announcement. On January 5th, last Sunday, the first episode of Godless Bitches 3.0 aired and was very well received. Um, we are super excited and thrilled with the support we've gotten so far. One thing, though, <laughs> we've noticed a couple of problematic comments in our videos and on our Facebook page. So I just want to take this one moment to say... If you are a transphobe or true scum, you are not welcome in our space. Please go get fucked. Thank you. Now, let's get to calls. Who do you want to take first? Um, I think we were talking about starting with Brian. He has a quick story to share. All right. I am actually very excited. We talked with Brian off the air a couple weeks ago, and he said to uh, we told him to call back in. So let's go to Brian in Oregon. Hello, Brian. You're on the air with V and Thomas. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Thanks a lot, uh, V. And uh, may I call you Thomas? Yes. I'm Mr. Westbrook. <laughs> Thomas is fine. My dad was Mr. Westbrook. Uh, I cut to the chase here. Um, the idea behind everybody getting so frustrated when callers call in and having um, a mental spasm, which is actually what would you say, cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. When somebody points something out very logically, very rationally, and they sit there going, yeah, that's all, folks. And they can't really come up with a Christian answer, or else they'll just, you know, give the typical responses. And um, my reason for saying this is because you, I used to work with a um, ex-hypnotist for about 20 years um, that uh, was on a radio network. Yeah. In a, a, um, a meditation exercise, and then after I found uh, the mindfulness that uh, Dr. Uh, well, Sam Harris has, then that cleared me of the religious idea and stuck to just the meditation idea. And then that was a meditation exercise that it was a life preserver for me. That's how I got out of it. Interesting. So because, meditation helped you get uh, out the of... Process allowed me to uh, notice when my brain was intoxicated with thoughts and those thoughts are not real. Hmm. So you're and, saying and so meditation helped you out? If you tell somebody, look, the idea of hell isn't real, don't worry about it, you know, just shine it on. Well, that's a hypnotic thought they've been given by the church. Now, I'm sorry, I'm going to use that word, but that's the case. And it's reinforced by emotion. Well, I'm certainly, I'm certainly in agreement that emotion is a big part of why people believe what they believe. Yes. Well, it's also a big part of maintaining that hypnotic state. And you gave excellent advice last week when you told the person, you know, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. So it was really great to hear you say that because that's this. You're almost compelled to try to get an answer or want God to get an answer or, or do something to get an answer. You know, a Ouija board, 
goodness knows what. That's ridiculous. But the point is, you can't convince anybody that the thoughts are not real unless they can see it for themselves. And a quote from uh, Sam Harris, we've got discordant thoughts going through our head all the time, and we think that's natural, and it's not. And it's very difficult to point that out to some persons, especially born-again Christians. Uh, the hypnotist, hypnotist I was talking about when he was in the... You know, he wasn't doing religious stuff anymore. He would hypnotize somebody with a toothpick that this has the answer to life, and you would have eternal life if you could get this toothpick. And you should have seen him <laughs> trying to go over there and grab that toothpick out of that person's hand. Why are you doing this? You know, I want to be born again. This toothpick has the answer to life. Now, how do you tell the difference between that hypnotized person and the person that's just, you know, sitting there arguing with Matt, he goes, you know, well, the Bible says it, and I believe it, and you're just out of luck. <laughs> well, I, I think... Anyway, too late, no, oh, any questions? <laughs> you, you mentioned... Does, does uh, that make sense at all? You mentioned a little bit ago how, you know, we're all looking for answers. And I think when it comes to these types of scenarios, you have to ask yourself, am I just looking for answers that make me feel good or am I looking for the right answer? And right, how can I tell right. the difference? No, no, you're absolutely correct. Yes. Do you want the truth or do you want something that feels good? No, you, you are quite right. So. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Thanks for calling in, Brian. Take I appreciate down. it. That's a good point, Brian. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, so you have to have patience with these people and try to, uh, I don't know how you would actually get them out of the uh, trance, so to speak, unless they could ask them. Do, uh, do you know what happens when people are hypnotized? They make excuses. That's how you could tell. They make so, well, ridiculous, I'm, irrational excuses, whether it's in religion or whether it's in real life. It doesn't mean... Either one, you know. Well, I am hesitant to to draw that comparison so strongly. I think it it works as a metaphor, but um, there are certain brain states that hypnotized people experience that are distinct from just, you know, kidding yourself about something. Even that I'm skeptical on. And um, if if you... I mean, to the point of suggestion, I could have gotten on today and said, you know, raise your right hand, and uh, Thomas, you raise your left hand, and then I could have left it there, you know, and... and so I actually, oh, are Brian, you threatening to hypnotize us? That's fun. Brian, a couple I months ago... Brian, a couple months ago, I was in California for the state fair, and there was a stage hypnotist up on stage, and I decided to volunteer to go and get hypnotized, and afterwards, I also interviewed people who were there at the event, And what my experience was is that the stage hypnotist went around and basically told people what to do and had a guest that was walking behind them telling them, you know, how to to react. And if you didn't listen to directions, you were kicked off the show. It's like, oh, well, you're just not, you know, you're not able to be influenced. But none of us really entered any kind of special brain state. It's not like we gave up control or we gave up the ability to do the things that we were uncomfortable that we were comfortable or uncomfortable doing like i still had full control and there were times when like she would say all right now do this goofy thing and you know and they're sitting there and they're pressuring you and you're in on stage in front of you know hundreds of people and so you go with the flow and you do it because it's what 
is expected of you, even if you know that it looks or sounds absurd or ridiculous. You I'd say have, it's the same deal with um, uh, talk, like speaking in tongues or... If the, we, uh, hypnotist, the second, first hypnotist that I worked with was actually doing a hypnotic show like you're talking about. And I was hypnotized by him also. And I used the excuse when I was off stage to my friend in the audience, oh, I just wanted to... You know, we were... Uh, um, uh, in college for acting class and stuff. Well, I just thought I'd show you how good I could act. See, well, and but it was it was more than that because I, when when I was on stage, I I not only was aware that I was in control the entire time. As soon as she would turn her back no, to right. me, I, Brian, hang on. As soon as she would turn her back to me, I would do the opposite thing and look at the camera and wink. And I have the the DVD of the the thing that I purchased. So it's and, and it's and and I was trying like when when I first sat down, it wasn't like I was trying to be resistant. I was like, I genuinely want if this works, I want to know. And I sat down and I like. I went with and I did everything that she told me to do. Now that doesn't mean that because my experience, it in my case hypnosis didn't work the way that it is oftentimes advertised as that doesn't mean that there's nothing to hypnosis now right when it comes to hypnosis it's a very controversial field in the or area in the field of psychology because there's not really yeah. a way to hop inside someone's brain and and see if they really gave up control or if they really quit smoking because of hypnosis right. or if they used it as the excuse to really take initiative you know it could be a placebo it could be either one but the uh religious angle of it and occult angle that you usually get into too is definitely hypnosis uh in that regard so how would you how would well, you distinguish yeah. that from manipulation the person that's being pulled back in or feeling that they're being pulled back in is that hypnotic state that they're responding to but how would well, you distinguish that from manipulation right Sorry. there's a difference well, between well that is hypnosis Okay, so you're saying that hypnosis is manipulation and indoctrination? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, it goes I... as far as into Scientology brainwashing. I mean, but the point is, the manipulation, if you manipulate somebody, you're hypnotizing them, and if you can get them to feel that pressure that you want to respond, you didn't want to feel like you were disappointing the hypnotist on stage, so you did what you said. But then the nice part about it is, at least they could show you had some awareness if you went and winked at the camera. That's pretty cool. <laughs> V, have you ever been faith healed on stage? Or I spoken have not. I, oh, I, I actually, I regret that that has never been an experience of mine. Because this, these types of scenarios that you're giving of, you know, comparing, you yeah. don't want to let the audience down. Like I've been there. I've had in a religious congregation, evangelical congregation, where yeah. they're like, come up on stage, we'll lay hands on you. Yeah. No, you're healed by the power of God. And you get that surge of adrenaline. And even yeah. if you're not quite convinced that you're actually healed, and even if you find out afterwards when you go and sit down that, hey, the pain's still there and everything is, is just right. the way that it was before, you still have this obligation, like this this feeling inside of you, like, I don't want to let my God down. I don't want to let these people down. I don't want to hurt their faith. Right. So you go with the you flow. It. You play along with it. It doesn't mean that yep. you're hypnotized necessarily. It's not like you're in a trance and yeah. you have no control. That is exactly what it is. Okay, so it and sounds like you guys are on the same... Brian? Brian? Sounds like yeah, you guys yeah, are on the same page. You're just using different words. Is that right? Because you seem like you're agreeing with him up to the point where he says it's... Brian? We gotta, we gotta have a back and forth, man. 
Oh, sorry. there's too much of a delay in here. That's why people uh, get caught up in the back and forth. Okay. All right. That's totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, I was just saying, it sounds like you guys are agreeing pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's just the word hypnosis and hypnotist that we're kind of having a disagreement on. So I think what we're going to do is agree to disagree to use that word. I think that it's probably (laughs) not a good idea to tell that at least to a theist because there is a very specific cartoonish concept of what hypnosis looks like, right? Like you think about the dinner plate eyes going in spirals and stuff like that. Uh, And that's going to get people's guard up right away and say, I'm not like that. That's not accurate. How dare you? Um, So as a communication technique, I'd say that that's probably not the way we want to go. But I see what you're saying in a metaphorical sense, and I agree uh, to an extent. Yes. The word hypnosis is very really hypnotic. There's a reaction to that word. Is hypnotic. That's funny. Um, <laughs> All right. Thank you okay. for your time. All right. That's a good word. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Have a good rest of your day. You're quite welcome. Bye bye. I think where we were maybe talking past each other is when I think of hypnosis, I think of it in terms of clinical definitions. Of, right, exactly. You know, you give up control and, you know, you it, they somehow affect your brain through some power of suggestion and you're in an altered trance-like state. Right. And, you know, I just, I'm not convinced that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And a, a good chunk, it's, it's one of the more controversial parts of psychology, but a good percentage of of psychologists are w- agree with me on this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I don't know, I'm not going to say definitively that it doesn't exist. I think it's different in different settings and that there's different ways to you know affect people and influence their their mind state or influence their them and their decision making. Yeah. If you're in a one-on-one therapist type setting, it's probably going to have a different effect than when you're in stage hypnosis. And I'll I'll give them that 100%. But I'm not convinced that when you're in a religious setting, mm-hmm. I know that there's manipulative tactics, yeah. whether it's intentional or not. The music gets you in this state of euphoria. You know, you're standing up, you're moving. You know, there's this collective effervescence, this feeling of, you know, you're dancing, you're moving, you're throwing your hands in the air. You get in these adrenaline states for sure. But to say that that is. The same as hypnosis, I wouldn't go that far. To say that you are um, subjectable to ideas and stuff and, and you can easily be influenced in those states, I would 100% agree with them. Yeah, I think we're, what, we're, what we're running up against is just a, a loose application of terminology. Mm-hmm. Uh, because during the, during the call, he said, well, religion and cults and mm-hmm. manipulation and hypnosis. And so he was making these comparisons uh, that could be argued to be similar, but he was lumping them into the same category, which is always going to be problematic. So I'm 100% agreeing yeah. with you there. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of nitpicking. <laughs> so. Well, hey, if there's somebody I want talking about hypnosis with me, it's going to be this guy. So uh, I want a professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's go to uh, Patricia in New York. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing tonight, today? Patricia, are you there? Hello? Hi. Hi, you're on the air with V and Thomas. How are you? Can you hear me? 
All right, Patricia, we're going to pop you back on hold and hopefully the call screener can help you get your audio mm. fixed up a little bit. Whoops. By the way, I didn't mean that as a slight on you when I said I want a professional. I meant I'm not a professional <laughs> and a I professional would be better than me. I gotcha. So. Um, all right. How about let's go with Muldred, also from New York. Muldred. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, not too bad. I had a really quick question before we get into anything else, if sure. you don't mind. Go for it. Where do you get where do you get those candles? Oh, well, <laughs> we actually ordered a couple trial ones, um, I believe, from some uh, merch shop. And they look pretty cool, huh? Yeah, they do. I'd like to get some. Could you email me the, uh, the, the website or the location or something? I don't believe they're currently for sale. Um, but once and if they oh. do get up on there, then we're going to be uh, shipping them out via our merch store. So definitely keep an eye out for that in the future. No, I, I, was look, I was looking to get custom ones. Oh, for like himself or his friends or something. Oh, well, uh, yeah. you could probably find that. You can um, email tv at atheist-community.org for more information about that. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. Let's get let's get into it. Uh, I was uh, oh uh, one one more thing before we uh, before we go on the uh, only uh, the only tangible proof of God that I've ever seen is uh, you can find right behind your left shoulder there, and I I sent that to you. I hope you. Uh, Thank you for putting it up. Frosted Faith? No. Uh, guaranteed overnight delivery. Oh, yeah. the God truck. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. All right, so what are we getting into today? You say that there are differences uh, between religion and spirituality? Uh, yes, I sent you an email. I don't know if you have time to read the whole thing, but... Well, for my sake, since I'm a, a guest on the show, would, right. why don't you break it down for us real quick? Do you want to summarize kind of what you were saying there, and then we can jump from there? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, religion, uh, bottom line, religion is uh, religion is top-down and uh, tells, teach, uh, gives people a... Uh, a method to handle life's, you know, life's events, you know, births, deaths, marriages, uh, funerals, things like that. And uh, it's written as a lot of religions are like written in books and organized and things like that. It's it's very top down. Somebody somebody tells people in religion, you know, how to do stuff. Well, spirituality is bottom up. Somebody has an experience. Uh, that's outside their uh, normal everyday experience, and uh, uh, trying to figure it out, they uh, you know uh, uh, appreciate the uh, the world more, which is why I've uh, I've uh, I lost all I lost literally lost faith in any organized religions. Okay. And but I had okay. but I had experiences out of the ordinary, and uh, trying to uh, trying to figure them out, I've become pretty much a uh, pantheist. Okay, but an agnostic pantheist because I'm willing to admit I could definitely be I could definitely be wrong about the whole thing. But I think that there is well, basically, I uh, I 
Muldred, can we, can we, can we, Muldred. Okay, all right, go ahead, ahead. sorry. Sorry, Uh, that seems like a great place to kind of jump in and have a little bit of conversation. So I'm going to bracket it it here, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit more and maybe move on once I understand a few more things about uh, kind of where you're coming from. So you say you had a couple of experiences that you couldn't explain. Um, Is there a reason that you... decided to interpret those experiences uh, through a pantheistic lens? What about pantheism proved itself to you as a valid way of determining whether or not these things are explainable? Because pantheism, to me, encompasses uh, the the whole cosmos, that everything can be tracked back to the singularity that people call the Big Bang, and uh, everything's Everything from there is connected. Walter, can I get your definition of pantheism real quick? Yeah. Pantheism, basically everything is is connected on some level. What do you mean by some level? What do you mean by connected? More questions. Like I said, traces back to the uh, singularity Big Bang. Okay. Do you think it's supernatural? If that, if that hadn't happened to create this particular universe, then nothing else that, that nothing else that goes on would have happened. So Whoa. pantheism is wow, universe. the universe is cool. Because I can I yeah, can get well, down with the, the universe, universe being cool, but I'm not sure how that translates yeah, universe, into some kind of deistic. Cool, and it's also uh, it's cool that everything every everything in on some level is connected. Muldred, I'll, I'll tell you where my spidery senses are, are tingling right now. And it's with, yeah. with the word pantheism comes so much baggage and not necessarily from you. Not for me. But when I yeah. hear the universe is connected, I deal with a lot of people who make claims about psychic phenomenon and how there's just energy connecting us. And they're never able to define exactly what this energy is. They're not able to give, you know, units of measurement that we can actually test it. They're not given, giving a way that we can detect it. Or if they do, those tests always come back negative. And so my question is, like, if it's all connected, do you just mean in some sort of butterfly effect type of way where what I do here will affect what happens in the future because of some chain of events? Or do you mean that we're all somehow connected by some sort of cosmic energy that's never been detected or tested in any way, shape? Or form. Oh well, if we are connected by some sort of energy, it's uh, quantum. You know, it's qua- it's it's quantum. It's not, uh, or it could could be. That uh, word gets uh, thrown around a lot. Yeah, can you break I'm... that down for us? <laughs> yes, and if it, you can it, explain how quantum. Because quantum is, you know, it's, uh, uh, what did Richard Feynman say about if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't understand quantum physics? I, I have a love-hate relationship with that <laughs> quote because he actually did have a pretty good understanding of quantum physics. And he was yeah, more than you and me, I'm sure. And, and the, the fact is when it comes to quantum mechanics – we may not know exactly why it does something the way that it does or, you know, why particles behave in a particular way, but we know to a massive degree of certainty that they, you know, that things behave in a way that is predictable to the point where all of the electronics that we run our lives around are all based on quantum mechanics and they all operate consistently according to the the laws of nature. So it's like, 
if if you're going to go that route, you've got to tell me where you know it's. You can throw the word quantum out and be like, well, nobody understands it, so it's just spooky action at a distance. I'm like, all right, that's cool. But how does that allow for some type of, you know, weird energy connection that that's observable and testable at the macro level? I'm not talking about between electrons. I'm talking about like at the macro level consistently somehow violating all the rest of the laws of, of physics or even if it doesn't, like somehow there's some force that we can test or detect or see or feel or something. And and in, until I've got that, then I'm I'm like, okay, that's that's cool to – throw out the word quantum, but it's kind of meaningless. Right. It's fun to base, it's fun to theorize about and to think about, you know, oh, what if we don't know everything we think we know? And what if there are uh, scientific explanations yet to be discovered about how the world works? That's so much fun. And I'll have that conversation all day. But to base a a worldview around it to the extent that you uh, identify as a pantheist, it doesn't seem like that's a very strong foundation for uh, the claims that you're making. Well, that's why, it, yeah, yeah, and and I would I'd go a step further and say that's why I'm an, that's if, why I'm an agnostic pantheist. It's basically because uh, if there's any uh, if there's any religion that uh, religion or philosophy that I I subscribe to, it's uh, it's the uh, it's the uh, one that it's it's Aris, uh, Aris Discordia. Hmm. I, I was uh, I was uh, ordained I was ordained by Robert Anton Wilson and so I'm an Arusian pope. I don't know I who that is. You're Arusian pope too, but let's uh, ba- basically basically the uh, uh, Eris Discordia is a uh, is an avatar of chaos, and uh, the universe universe is uh, on some level is. Uh, is chaotic and people impose uh, grids on that to try and figure out what's going on. But basically, at the very core of everything is uh, is chaos. I mean, and chaos as we is, define the, chaos, Discordia but... is like the personification of chaos. It's uh, it's you know it's uh, do you by chaos do you mean entropy? The worst thing you could possibly do would be to worship Eris. I mean, that's like saying, here, screw up my life, but it probably won't happen, you know? Well, I can I can probably very much agree that that wouldn't happen if you decided to worship Eris. Nothing would happen as a result of that, apart from people might laugh at you. Um, but my, yeah. my concern here is that uh, if you are an agnostic, agnostic, I don't... I don't know. I don't understand why why you're clinging to a word that yeah. you're seeming to redefine into something completely different. Um, because pantheism, basically, to my understanding, and feel free to correct me on this if I have a different definition than you, um, is that you believe that the universe is somehow uh, a god or or supernatural or or conscious. You, or conscious. Or... Do you believe that the universe is conscious in a way that has that is that is that a thing that you, you that you believe I don't believe that uh, they you know uh, planets and uh, planets and suns and things like that are conscious but I do believe that there are there are consciousness there is a consciousness that, uh, 
of pe- of uh, living things in the universe. I think everything that's everything that's uh, that's alive in any form, including uh, trees and uh, trees and bacteria and everything like that, has uh, some awareness. You could call consciousness. So panpsychism. And, uh, oh, uh, wh- I wanted to correct one thing. I do not believe in the supernatural. I believe anything that happens is hap- is is natural. Uh, I, and I, uh, to quote uh, Robert Anton Wilson, anything that can happen will happen. Not anything, but what can happen. Okay, so I, I don't know. I feel like we're going in a f- bunch of different directions. And my main concern through it all is uh, you are using a definition of a word, pantheism in this case, to explain events that happen that you cannot explain otherwise. And I'm curious about why you feel like pantheism specifically is something that explains your experiences and whether or not you think that's a good model to base truth truth claims off of. I told you I was uh, uh, agnostic. I do not. I do not say that pantheism is the be-all and end-all and explains everything. The, everything could be explained by the universe, by the universal, oh God, what's the... Uh, theory of everything? Universal field theory. Uh, uh, what's the thing with the vibrating, the string, string, string theory. theory or something like that, or quantum, or quantum mechanics. I am open to any possibilities. I've been studying, you know, studying uh, people's ideas about the universal field theory, quantum, uh, trying to understand quantum mechanics, trying to understand string theory, which uh, at the moment, you know, cannot uh, cannot be proven at the moment, but it's still it's it's still something that people think might explain more. But right, we've got we've uh, got lots of theories, and I agree I agree with that, and it's interesting to read about them, but. It seems yeah, like you're kind of backing yourself out of this corner. All of, that, all, all of that is connected. I'm just, I'm just, just using that as a catch-all for uh, what uh, what can be explained and what cannot yet be explained. I I think that eventually, eventually we uh, we will understand more about every every every. So, Maldred, it sounds like it sounds like you're taking the gaps. The it sounds works. like you're taking the gaps in our understanding. And plugging it with pantheism because yeah. you're like, there's things that we don't understand yet. Maybe we'll understand them later. I'm not saying that they won't be proven by science, but right now, like, yeah. it's just somehow connected. And you throw out words like quantum without really giving a scientific definition of it. And my my question for you would be, why is it? Why is it that the people who really study these fields in and out, day in and day out, who understand quantum mechanics, who understand, you know, string theory, who understand the grand unified theory and where we're at working on it and stuff, and who who are working at these these places, why are they not in droves becoming pantheists and saying it all points to pantheism and some interconnected psychic thing? Instead, they're the ones who are the most adamant detractors from that viewpoint and the, the most adamant critics of it, saying, you know, here's why that's bogus. And the people who tend to jump on the bandwagon can't give you a, a scientific definition to save their skin. Okay, well, my definition of pantheism is different from yours. You, you're using, you're using uh, a definition that somebody else gave you, and I'm using the definition that, uh, that I've come up with. Right, so my and- definition of pantheism is, uh, is just that... Uh, well, 
what's the difference between saying that the universe is uh, uh, the the cosmos is is uh, is connected and uh, people working on uh, developing the uh, unified field theory? See, though, here's the here's the problem with your first point, though, is you said that your definition is different from my definition. I understand that, like, we all have preconceived ideas and notions going into this, and we need to define words so that we can be on the same page and communicate effectively. But if you're going to go by a definition using a word that is in the the common vernacular, you know, lexicon of, of terminology, you know, you, you have to understand what these words mean. And, like, if you look up pantheism, here's the dictionary definition of pantheism is a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God or two, worship that admits or tolerates all gods. So you, you either you know worship every single God in existence or you think that the universe itself is God and you know, then you can start asking, well, what is God and defining that? You know, God usually is some type of conscious being, all-powerful being. There's, there's different definitions there. But if you're just going to say, well, I'm a pantheist, and then you redefine pantheism as it's all connected, that's a little deceptive based – and I'm not saying it's it's deliberate. I'm not saying you're trying to deceive people, but it's it's confusing to people. Can you see how that would confuse people when you say I'm a pantheist, but how you define pantheism is not how most people would define it? Yeah. Hail Eris, all hail Discordia. I'm following. I'm following my religion. <laughs> okay, so you do have a religion. Uh, next, we do have to get to more. Yeah, callers, we are though. gonna get more callers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an, next I'm not, time. Not only I'm an, I'm, I'm an Arisian, I'm also, uh, I'm also a, uh, a sub genius. Maldred, we gotta okay, let you go, okay. bud. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Can I just say to anyone who's on the line right now, like turn off the YouTube video, yes, mute the please. YouTube video and and just like as soon as you pick up at least, just listen to us on the phone. It'll be more real time. Right. Because those delays and stuff, I thought we lost him a couple times. Got lost in the quantum a couple but. times there. <laughs> in and out. All right. Um, next time, call in and talk about your religion and Discordia, because that sounds like a lot more fun and less confusing. Um, well, even his definition of chaos, I was like, do you mean entropy? And he never... No, really... he's, I think he's talking about the Greek Roman god Eris and Discordia. It's, I mean, if he's worshiping a Roman god, then that's cool. We need to talk about that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to Owen in Oregon. Hi, Owen. You're on with V and Thomas. Hi. Hey, hi. Hello. Hi. What can we help um, you with today? Wow. Um, so first of all, my heart's about ready to pound out of my chest. So forgive <laughs> me if I trip up. No worries. Um, okay, cool. Um, I am... Uh, so I was raised in a Roman Catholic family. That's my first problem. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> my my second problem is I have the misfortune of being born without a bullshit detector. <laughs> um, I think none of us are. None of us are. That's something you develop over time. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, mine mine needs some help developing. So, right. Essentially, what what made me want to call in today was, um, uh, as a young adult, I got caught up in a really traditional really conservative fundamentalist Catholic cult, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it, it is a thing. Mm -hmm. um, got out of that, kind of bounced around with different spiritual 
paganism, all that kind of stuff. Yep, sounds uh, familiar. Last year started. Yeah, last year I started listening to you know Seth Andrews, Richard Carrier, Price, Fitzgerald, all of those. Started realizing that the origins of all of this stuff is pretty suspect at best, and that a lot of what I had always been raised to believe in terms of like Catholic history, church history is pretty BS. Um, but the problem that I've been finding is that I keep coming back to um, the thought that, well, if anything's true, despite all the evidence, it's gotta be the Catholic church because, and this, I, I know that from a outsider's perspective, this probably sounds crazy, but they have all of these supposed proofs and miracles that just from someone who doesn't really know much seems kind of convincing. Well, can you give us one to start with? Okay, well... Um, and and be, before you do, the reason the reason that I ask is because I've, I've been in your shoes before, Owen. And yeah. I've I've been in the exact position that you are right now where I say, well, if it's not true, how do you explain these miracles? And I was yeah, always yeah. told, I was always told growing up, there's just so much evidence, there's so many miracles that's out there. And I never really bothered to look behind the curtain. And as soon as I started going one by one, like there's there's times where you might see something that you can't explain. It doesn't make it supernatural. Yeah. But what I found time and time and time again was I found misdiagnosis. I found, you know, you have cases of cancer where there's, you know, spontaneous remission. And it's the, the rates of yeah. spontaneous remission really don't improve at all with prayer. And, you know, you start right. do, seeing prayer studies where people pray over, you know, 100,000 people and there's absolutely no no positive effect from prayer. You start mm. seeing cases where people misremember. You see cases where people exaggerate in order to – it's called pious fraud. There's actually a term for it where yeah. they, they will say things that are not true to increase people's faith. So, like, if you have – Something that's miraculous that's not just a secondhand anecdote, which is the worst form of evidence. If you have something yeah. verifiable that we can test, I'd love to to walk you through it. But I I came up empty and, uh, you know, I found <laughs> the scientific explanations were far more persuasive, to say the least. Right. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure it's not going to come as any surprise when I tell you that, you know, I can't say that I saw somebody levitate or that I saw, you know, a, a, a statue suddenly come to life or start walking around. But, um, you know, I've just gone down uh, such a rabbit hole the last couple of months about, you know, mostly researching, uh, you know, stuff from the Catholic Church. And like, uh, you, you know, you were talking about healing and for a long time there, I was really obsessed with like things like Lord's and reading up on, um, you know, all of their supposed healing miracles and learning that, you know, uh, a lot of this is all secondhand hearsay from like 200 years ago. And that, you know, nowadays we have a lot of things that can be, you know, explained and accounted for. Right. But then every time that something new crosses my mind or pops up, I just keep thinking, okay, you know, what if this is that one thing that nobody's thought of and nobody can explain, like, you know. But Owen, even if even if you can't right. explain it, is the most logical evidence that all the laws of nature that we've been testing for centuries completely were suspended for this one case? 
Or is it more likely that someone is mistaken or confused or lying or misremembering or, you know, even if you see, like, I just took a picture, I posted it on Twitter the other day, of this sign that had this black covering over the top of it. It had like a little light on top of a a triangular sign. And from a distance, Uh I swear to you, it looked exactly like the Nazgul. Because it had this black trash bag over it. You know, the the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings is like a ghostish, ghoulish yeah, yeah, yeah. figure. And if I were to see that oh, at God. nighttime and I was religious and I saw it from a distance, oh, yeah. I would have been freaked out and thought that it was some type of demon. <laughs> but it wasn't. It, and the, yeah. the fact is, there's there's a word for that. It's called pareidolia. It's where our, our, yeah. our eyes and our mind are really good at seeing patterns even when there is no pattern. There's an entire yeah, subreddit. Yeah, like seeing Mary and French toast, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. There's an entire subreddit called r slash pareidolia where they have things that look like faces, but you know they're not. It's just, oh, hey, here's a, yeah. you know, a bus or something. Here's Jesus in a dog's butt. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think it's also important to know that a lot of, uh, one thing you could do, um, I'm not sure if you've done this yet, this is something that really helped me, is research uh, how the Catholic Church got started and research yeah. how it how it grew into what we understand it to be today. There's a really good book. It's called Religion and the Decline of Magic. Um, okay. And who's the author? Keith Thomas. Um, and that okay. book by itself helped me so much to kind of understand exactly where things came from and how these myths and these stories and these legends and these accounts of miracles developed. Um, for example, mm-hmm. do you do you know why um, the priest puts the uh, the wafer inside the mouth of the people taking communion? Mm, I probably used to know, but not um, anymore. Well, the the reason, according to this book, is that people were taking them and not eating them and using them to turn invisible and steal from their neighbors. Allegedly. Oh. And they would grind grind them up and put them in their gardens to make their vegetables grow faster because they believed it was the body of Christ. Um, And it was magical. And only priests could do magic. That was the difference. Uh. (laughs) And so they were like, how do we keep people from taking these and doing bad things with them, like turning invisible? Um, The answer was Mm. to put them directly into the mouth of the person taking communion so that they knew that they were going to eat it. Um, yeah, that's that's not the explanation that I used to hear growing up. But right, I mean, exactly. Doing all this research, I've learned. You know, doing all this research, I've learned that. I mean, first of all, that the church is more corrupt than I ever could have imagined when I was still practicing, like all four feet in Catholic. But yeah. that. You know, the, the origin that it came from is nothing like you learn in catechism class. No, it's not. And it's not necessarily that the people teaching you are outright lying. That's what they've been told and that's what no, they've been totally. told. Right. Yeah. But understanding where it comes from and the origins of how how these these things that today are taken as, oh, obviously this is how we do things because X. Um, when you find out it's really yeah. because of a myth that somebody turned invisible and stole their neighbor's cow, it makes a makes yeah. a difference. Um, so that's my suggestion for getting started on kind of debunking some of these these concerns of yours. Oh, and I'll I'll give yeah, you yeah. I'll equip you with one of the most powerful tools that you can have in determining fact from fiction. Uh huh. Would you like that? Yes, please. There is a story. I'll start with a story, and I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. In India, okay. there was a statue of the Virgin Mary, and this was a weeping statue. 
of the Virgin Mary. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard these tales within the Catholic Church where they'll have this statue of the Virgin oh, yeah. Mary that starts crying and they're like, oh, it's a sign that it's, you know, some holy thing or something. Yeah. In this particular instance, a man named Samal Edmadaku went and investigated it. And he discovered that there was actually a pipe, a toilet pipe, that was broken, that was causing, it was leaking, and the water that was flowing down the the face that they would see, an occasional drip flowing down Mary's face, was actually toilet water. And people were collecting it and drinking it. When this guy was, when this guy came out with this discovery, instead of saying, thank you so much for showing us how horrible and, and unhygienic and stuff this is, instead, he was accused of being blasphemous and he was ran out of his country. Now, if you were to see another statue and you come along and you realize, hey, this other statue is, it's a statue of the Virgin Mary and it's crying tears. Well, the other one was a fake, but this one's totally real. Yeah. You can do that I, for I, every single supernatural claim one by one by one until you hit one that you don't know how to explain. The tool I want to equip you with kind of where I am. is it's a skeptic's maxim. It's extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So when I say I don't believe in God or when I say I don't believe in miracles or I don't believe in the supernatural, I'm not saying I'm closed off to those ideas and that I'm just cynical and I'm, you know, grumpy or hurt or something by it. Not at all. Uh-huh. For me, it's I followed that stuff for decades and I loved it. I loved being in the church and stuff. I didn't have any bone to pick or anything. I just found that yeah. the evidence didn't match the claims. And so when you mm-hmm. see that these claims are debunked one by one, you don't have to go through every single one of them to say sooner or later that until they actually put forth evidence that is as extraordinary as you would expect with a claim of that magnitude, that all the laws of physics would suddenly come undone in order for this one supernatural thing to occur. Until we have substantial evidence, all you have to say is, I don't believe it yet. I don't believe you. I'm I'm going to wait until I I have sufficient evidence to to take that leap. Yeah, right. and I'm I'm definitely been trying to um get to that point more and also using the uh, what, what is it called the outsider's test for faith. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to examining this kind of stuff more because I fully admit that I tend to only uh take seriously the ones that come from my Catholic background, you know, and it isn't because I want to affirm it as true. I'm actually trying actively to get away from it because it's been um, a very actively harmful thing in my life. I'm, I'm queer. So that's like not the best combination. If you can imagine. Yeah. Um, those are the claims that you're but, endeared to because you were raised with them. Right. Yeah. They make more yeah. sense and to you always, because that's how your brain developed. You developed in that, yeah. in that way of thinking. And that's totally understandable. And they have, and they have so many like public or supposedly like public big name supposed miracles that they seem like they have a monopoly on it. At least that's how they like to promote themselves is we're the only ones that have all of these amazing things. And, and I mean, I have noticed that most of the ones that I focus on happened so long ago that, you know, I can't test them. Like, you know, there's supposedly a nun from like the 1600s who predicted the cultural revolution in the 1960s. And I'm sitting here like, okay, well, I don't have her original documents. Right? I don't have access to, how, how do you know things weren't rewritten? 
How do you know that it hasn't been covered up and redacted? Because we it, you don't even have to go that far, Owen. Exactly. You don't even have to go that yeah. far. When when you have thousands of texts and thousands of predictions, it is so easy to cherry pick ones. And like, I can take a claim. Like, I actually I did this on my channel. I did a whole video on prophecy, and I said. I yeah. bet you I can take one of the quatrains of no, of Nostradamus. You know, he's allegedly this, you know, great prophet and stuff from, you know, a couple hundred years yeah. ago. I can take one of his quatrains and claim that it predicted that Kim Kardashian's butt would go viral on the internet. <laughs> and I did. I All I had to do was I scrolled through, you know, he has hundreds of quatrains, and I scrolled to, through until I found one that it was like he will – something about like – you know, the father will lavish the lady in the stream or something. I was like, here it's clearly talking about how Tim Berners-Lee, the father of the internet, is, you know, making this this thing that, you know, is her her sex tape went viral on the internet. We're talking about streaming videos and stuff. And it, you can go through and you can do that with anything. And I, I, used totally. a yeah. I used a preposterous, an utterly preposterous example to make the case. But you can hmm. you can do this with anything, and people come in after the fact and they say, "Okay, we just read through hundreds of prophetic pr predictions. Now you have thousands of different events that you can pair them up with. So you could say, right. okay, yeah. this this one thing they said, you know, they talk about war. Okay, well, how many hundreds of wars have there been since they made that prediction? Which one could it be talking about? And then you just go detail by detail. Right. And sometimes they're not even a good fit. Sometimes they they miss on 90% of it, but people just draw attention to the few tiny parts that it, it hits. They quote mine that, throw yeah. it in quotes, and say that they predicted 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I can totally see stuff like that. You know, I, I used to be into Nostradamus when I was like, 12 and thought that was mm. a cool yeah. thing. Um, the but psychic, you, you, the psychic you know, twins it, do it too. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it comes up with like, you know, when you get, uh, when you finally get like one claim that's like really specific and it has dates attached to it and it seems like it's really cool. But even then it's like how many thousands of others have we just not remembered because they never right. came true. Well, yeah, there's a there's a, a phenomenon where we remember the hits and forget the misses, right? Uh, that's why people right. go to yeah. slot machines and 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 get caught in that loop of they remember it when the sh machine lights up, yay, you won, and they forget all the times that they lost. Um, and right. yeah, it's a very very human uh, psychological thing that happens. Isn't, isn't it called the barnyard door yeah. fallacy? Where it's it's like shooting a shotgun blast at a barnyard door, or shooting a bunch of shots at a barnyard door, seeing where the clusters are, and then drawing the bullseye around it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That I, I've heard. Um, I've heard of that analogy before, but I hadn't thought of like applying it to the situation. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think right now you're you're asking all the right kinds of questions. You're aware of the right things that you are filtering your understanding of the world through a very specific lens, and you're doing your best to take that lens off, or at least you know for for a certain amount of time to determine whether or not these these things you're being told uh, hold up outside of that particular lens, and that's a huge deal yeah. by itself. So kudos on that for sure. Um, my yeah. suggestion would be to uh, realize that uh, you don't believe things until they can be proven false, right? You believe, you disbelieve things until they are proven true. If you approach yeah, the world as I'm though everything that. that everyone said um, is true until, they, until you disprove it, you're going to believe a lot of really funny things and a lot of them are going to contradict each other. 
Um, uh-huh. So when you're looking through these things, when you're, as you're doing your research, uh, maybe just that that one shift of instead of saying, uh, this is true, I need to disprove it, start by saying, I don't know if this is true. Let me see if I can accurately prove this to myself. And if you can't, then you are completely uh, valid in disregarding it. And I, I, yeah, would, yeah. I would say not just can I disprove it, but has it been disproven already? Mm-hmm. Can it be disproven by science? And is there even a way to falsify it? Is it falsifiable? Because I could claim that there's some deity out there that exists that made everything, but we can't detect him. We can't see him, smell him, hear him. He doesn't interact with the world. It's like, okay, cool story, bro. How do we disprove it? How do we test it? You can't. <laughs> right. You can't. It's right. utterly unfalsifiable. And so it's it's kind of useless to me in how I go about living my life. And there's there's no way to know. Yeah, and I, I think that last one is what is something that I really got to work on because, you know, being raised Catholic, it, it's always like, you know, certain people get visions and certain people get apparitions of the Virgin Mary or whatever. And that's where they're like getting these supposed predictions and all that. Well, I can't falsify that they didn't see something or hallucinating or that they didn't just make it all up. But it's also gotten to the point where I can't keep living my life based on what somebody 400 years ago claims that they might have seen. Yeah. And Owen, there are so many phenomena in the world that are rare. They're rare enough that a lot of us haven't necessarily heard of them. But that doesn't mean that they aren't natural and that they don't exist. I'll give you a couple of yeah. examples. Um, there's and, and I, I did a whole talk on this in in Israel, but there are phenomena that people attribute to the supernatural, to you know, spiritual instances like demon possession, and we find out, oh, hey, it's defining seizures. He's talking about a seizure or sleep paralysis mm-hmm. or something like that. But there's phenomenon like the ghost frequency. Which is a, a frequency of, yeah. of infrasound that's it's around 19 hertz, I believe. That's just low enough that like we can't hear it with our ears, but that doesn't mean we can't detect it with our bodies. Just because okay. like there's tremors and stuff that our, our bones might be able to pick up on, you might kind of get some goosebumps or feel a little bit queasy. And they found that in certain buildings that people said were haunted because they got this weird uneasy feeling. When they go in and they actually test out what sound frequencies are being detected, it's just sound. That's all that it is. There's a fan or a vent or something that's whirring that's causing this frequency of sound to be emitted. It's purely natural. It's not ghosts. It's not some you know weird supernatural haunting or something. Now, that's just one instance. Mm-hmm. You may be familiar with that, and you may not be familiar with hundreds of other things. And even if you go and you right. Google search things that people often mistake as aliens or that they often mistake as ghosts or they often mistake as as demons or insert whatever supernatural, paranormal, crazy phenomenon here, you're still probably going to miss some stuff. Right. That doesn't That's mean it doesn't have a natural too. explanation, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just am just trying to shake that kind of, you know, way of thinking that I was always brought up with was something that's a little bit more rational and it's it's not an easy straight line but you know I've been I've been listening to you guys I've been listening to um uh Matt's show just um you know trying to find new resources to form around and you guys have really been great oh 
thank you so much for watching and for calling in. I know that this is hard. I know that yeah. this isn't a straight line and it's not, you don't, you don't have the, the checklist, you know, you don't, you don't start questioning and somebody yeah, there, knocks on no your door and gives you, here's the, here's the pamphlet on how to deconvert. It's a, it's, it's right. a process you have to figure out for yourself, but we're here for you. And we'd love it if you yeah. called back and let us know, you know, if you come across something that makes you rethink, or if you come across something that completely proves that Catholicism is true, definitely let us know because we want to know that. Um, but yeah, we're we're here for right. you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. You guys do, uh, y'all are out there doing the, the world's work and I appreciate you guys. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Thanks so much for calling in, Owen. All take right, y'all take care. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we definitely don't go and knock on doors. Um, <laughs> accidentally did we accidentally drop someone i think so i think we accidentally uh opened up on a meet in new york is that correct hello hello a meet hi. hi sorry about hi. that that was a slip of the finger but we'd love to hear what you're calling in about <laughs> you caught me by surprise as well so <laughs> <laughs> no that was on me all right uh so guys i i just wanted to kind of talk through and ask you a couple of questions about an uh, almost an incident that happened to me over Christmas. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so just for context, mm -hmm. I'm uh, Indian by ethnicity um, and Christian by religion. At least I was born into a Christian family. I am an atheist. Okay. Um, and what happened was over Christmas, we have like a family get together and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. So as many families do. And what happened to me was I went to the family get together. I spent time with them. I hung out. I was a good boy. Not apart from my parents and my brother, nobody in my family really knows that I'm uh, an atheist. Mm -hmm. um, You're not going to pick they fights. Have that. Yeah, I didn't want to pick fights, right? Yeah. So I sang the songs, I went to church, I, my, I love my grandmother very much, and she would be absolutely heartbroken if she found out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can relate with you 100%. Yeah, same. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, I did the whole thing, and it was fine. But then at a later point, when I was just with my parents, um, they, I didn't bring up any of these topics, right? Um, they brought up the question of me getting married, which is kind of a responsibility that Indian parents do tend to take for their children. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, oh, we will like start looking for someone. It's kind of like they're your Tinder. They match you with people and you go on dates with them and you say, okay, yeah, I like this person, you know? Uh -huh. um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so what happened was uh, my parents came up to me and they said, hey, Amit, um, we're kind of thinking about looking for people for you and um, we really can't go to any of our friends because you're so loud as an atheist. Ah. Oh. And yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to hide something from someone I'm mm -hmm. uh, potentially going to get married to or whatever, right? So, right. The, the, so like, I guess my question is, uh, well, the conversation went into religion and why I don't believe. And eventually my mother said, I mean, this is 
the greatest disappointment in my life. This is the biggest mm. failure in my life that I was unable to bring you up as a Christian. And it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I uh, I don't want to disappoint them. I've, I want to make them proud all the time, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, and, my uh, parents told me that they yeah. feel like they failed as parents because I'm an atheist. So I, I understand. Right. And like the next day, my mom woke up and she was like, I mean, I had nightmares about you burning in hell. And I was just like, thanks. <laughs> 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 I really needed that. Yeah, right. That's helpful. Thank you, yeah. mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like uh, basically my my question to you guys was, is it like, I mean, should I, one Growing up, being Christian was a part of my identity. It was like, oh, yeah, like every time something good happens, you say, thank God. Mm -hmm. Every time you sit down for a meal, you say a prayer. Um, uh, When you're going to do something, you ask them to pray for you and whatnot, right? Right. So, like, now that that's gone and I'm an atheist, that's kind of what I am. Like, I mean, it's, it's basically replaced the the loudness of my Christianity with the loudness of being an atheist. And mm-hmm. my question was, is it wrong to be so loud about it? No. There's a long answer and a short answer to that. Um, <laughs> no, it is not wrong to be loud about your atheism. Uh, if anything, it's drawing attention to how loud people are about their theism. Um, if you are talking about your atheism a quarter of the time as much as people talk about their belief in God, you're considered loud. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair and it's not accurate. It's a double standard. It is. It's a double standard. Um, The longer answer is a lot of the time when someone deconverts, and I'm I'm not sure, uh, Amit, how long have you been an atheist? About a year and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, When I first deconverted and realized, oh, fuck, I'm an atheist now, that's a thing, okay. Uh, The only way I knew how to engage with the world was through an ism, right? Uh, I engaged with the world through theism my whole life growing up. And when I realized that I wasn't a theist anymore, I was an atheist, uh, my first instinct was to adopt a similar worldview uh, in terms of how I interacted and approached the world. Uh, So instead of evangelizing about uh, the good news and how great God was, I would be evangelizing about, hey, good news, there's no God. (laughs) And it was a very similar approach. Um, And I think that you can do a lot of good with that. I think that internally it kind of helps to build that transition process between being a theist and being somebody who does not believe at all. Um, But it might not be who you are the whole time. Um, I've, I've realized recently that I've started mellowing out, I guess the term would be, um, not because I care about it any less, obviously I'm here, (laughs) but because I realized that you can, you can interact with the world without needing to, uh, view everything through that ism. 
Um, that's not to say that uh, how you're approaching things right now is wrong at all. I don't think so. I also think you're probably not as loud as other people are telling you you are um, because that's been a thing. I'll, I'll say one thing and they're like, oh my goodness, you won't shut up about this. Well, a lot of people go through an angry atheist phase. Right, exactly. And, you know, at first it's justifiable because you feel like you've been lied to your entire life. And so you're frustrated, you're pissed off, you you want to be vocal about it and be like, here's why we know it's all bullshit. And and you throw that all out there and people are like, whoa, why are atheists so angry? It's like, well, we're angry because we see the harm that's done by religion. We care about humanity. We give a damn. But it's not always the most effective approach at changing minds and, and reaching people. So I'm not sure if you went through kind of an angry phase or a frustrated phase. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think I want those four hours on every Sunday back. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I think again, like it's it's completely justified to be angry. That's not something that is a bad thing, and it's not something that's unrealistic or unreasonable for you to feel upset by. You have been lied to your whole life. Whether or not it was intentional is another story, but it was a lie that you built your life around and you didn't have a choice in that. And that was awful. Um, so being angry and being loud is 100% a justifiable and reasonable response to that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's not wrong to be loud. As you mellow out, though, it does get easier. Yeah. And as time goes on, your family will come to terms with it. That doesn't mean you have to be in their face. It doesn't mean that you have to be insulting or disrespectful or rude. And you can even find you, – you know your parents much better than we do because all we know is what you've told us, obviously – but I would assume you would know things that you can and can't say that would go over well or wouldn't go over well. And I'm not saying that you have to give in to their position, but you can say things in a way that's like, mom, dad, I believe that truth withstands scrutiny. I want to know what the truth is, and I'm on a journey to find it. And that's something that they can respect. That's something that, you know, you just say, I've arrived at a different destination than you. You can also say, you know, if, if God is just, if God is loving, you know, you believe that a God exists, then if he's just and loving, it's not a just punishment for someone to burn for eternity for a finite crime. Like, I just don't think that there's any, any justification for hell. And so you can have these little conversations that chip away at these ideas even if you know that you're never, ever, ever going to change their mind or convince them or something, you can make it easier to have conversations. And then when it comes to, you know, finding a, a life partner, they'll they'll be more acclimatized to your viewpoint and what flies and doesn't fly with you. And you can put your foot down at times. You can say, look, I love you. I respect you. But I cannot change my belief. I cannot change the things that I believe. I can't just wake up and, and lie. I could lie to you and I could tell you I believe something that I don't, but I know I'm lying. Just like if, if I were to put a gun in front of your head and I say, if you don't believe right now that V is actually a Mazda. <laughs> I'll take it. Then I will. If you don't believe that right now, I'm going to shoot you in the face. You could say, I believe it. I believe it. You know, I'll give you $10,000 and I'll, I'll go and, and, you know, uh, get the car washed or something. But like that doesn't, that, that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it true. So, you know, you could say you believe something, but you don't believe it. You know, I could say that I believe that this is an Xbox controller. I don't but I'm lying to you. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's the same way with religion. You know, you could tell your parents like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I believe in God, but you don't. And as soon as, you, as soon as they understand that point that belief is not something that you can choose or that you can just flip on a dime on, 
then th- that'll make the conversation much easier for for you and your parents because it's like this is just where I've arrived at. I'm trying to follow truth. This is the destination I've arrived at. I have no free will in, in changing that position. It's not a choice. Then you can start saying, with that in mind, I'm not going to change that. Then when it comes to finding a life partner, mom, dad, if you love me, are you going to try to find someone who is compatible, who is a good match for me? Or, you know, is it okay if I go out and actually choose a partner or look for someone? You know, and I understand that there's cultural differences and I understand that there's, you know, traditions and limitations there. But once you start having these conversations in a respectful framework, you can start to ha- like gain a little bit more ground just by getting on the same page on a couple of fundamental principles. Yeah. And and I think, uh, Thomas, thank you very much for that. Thank you, V. Uh, but uh, I think one of the things, I did bring up this, that I can't change what I believe. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, look at the grass. Can you say that it's blue and that does that make it blue? Can you can you say, oh, I believe the grass is blue, but do you really believe it? Right. I, I, I brought that up to them and they were more like, well, just say that you're a Christian and eventually you will become one. And I was just like, what? It, like a fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but doesn't, doesn't like, their holy book straight up say don't lie? Uh, so they they will. It's in the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and and here's they here's a question. Admit. Here's here's a, a much much deeper question on that level. And then is, I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on to another. Call here's here's a, if God is genuinely a sincere, you know, he 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 understands, he's all knowing, and you die and and you know you you go to heaven and let's say that God exists in this scenario. Would God not be much more tolerant of a sincere, honest atheist who's searching for truth versus a Christian who is literally just hedging a bet and lying and pretending like they believe something that they don't? God would see right through that. So if your parents genuinely care about your eternal soul and, you know, if if God exists, then they're telling you to lie about something. Good point. And I, I see absolutely no benefit there. Yeah. When I was deconverting, my thought process was if there is an all good, all knowing God, that God will know whether or not I'm telling the truth about believing in him. Mm-hmm. And he will respect my honest, I don't know more than he would a fake, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to get something out of him. To right, get exactly. Into- so I think I think where we're coming down on this is that it's not, it's not your fault. None of this is your fault. You're not too loud. You're not too critical. You're not too anything. You're exactly where you need to be right now. And I, it, parental conversations about this are hard. They, they just really are. Um, but uh, yeah, moving forward, I think taking Thomas's advice and, and broaching it more as a series of honest questions mm. um, and maybe maybe even saying, you know what, mom, dad, I don't want to talk about this right now. I respect that you have your opinion. Please respect mine. I'm going to back away from this topic because that's, yeah. totally that's totally your prerogative as well. Um, no one can make you talk about things you don't want to talk about. You got to take care of your, your own sanity and mental health. You know your limitations. And there are things that you do and don't have to talk about, and you know what those are. Um, on that that note, we we do have to move on to a, a call, on the next caller, I guess. But um, 
Just yep. know that, you know, you're not alone in going through this. There are online communities for you, including this one. Yeah. And also, you know, that just because there are conversations that are difficult with your parents, there may be more strategic ways to have certain conversations, you know, just analyzing it, seeing their reactions, seeing, you know, knowing how they respond to stuff. Just be be cognizant of that. That doesn't mean that their reaction is your fault. That doesn't mean that, that their reaction to something is sane or logical or justified. But hopefully that equips you with a little bit of, you know, ammunition and tools to to be able to, you know, stand your ground and to be able to also talk about these things in a productive way. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, Amit. And definitely call back if you've got more questions or an update. Thanks, guys. Love all the channels out there, uh, including yours, Thomas. Love Holy Clay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right. We have got about half an hour left uh, and a lot of calls to get to. But first, I do want to make sure we are thanking our top five patrons. So I'm going to refresh the page and do that now. Our top five are Charlotte Crumb, Desert Heathen, Bethany P., Rura, and Kamal. Thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing, everything that you're donating. It really, really helps us. And it's what allows us to be here today doing what we're doing. Um, And to fix bathrooms. And to fix bathrooms bathrooms which is a requirement the 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 reason i bring that up is because the aca actually had the bathroom go out a couple of days weeks ago or something like that yeah and they found that like the piping was being tree like the the tree roots the tree roots had encroached on the concrete pipes and gone through them and there were there were things that happened and smells that happened and it was not fun and it's it's an old building it's a small building that is rapidly being outgrown and support on Patreon and stuff like I'm hoping that maybe if there's a big enough support push, then we can get you guys a new building at some point. I mean, that would but. be the dream. We'll pray on it. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Josh in Texas. Hey, Josh. How are you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey. Doing good. How about y'all? Good to be back. Awesome. Thanks for calling back. What can we help you with today? Yeah, for sure. Okay, here's the, and forgive me, if I sound like I'm out of breath, it's because I am. For some reason, I'm unreasonably nervous right now. (laughs) (laughs) So bear with me. No worries. Okay, so I had a question I wanted to ask you, but I wanted to give you a little bit of like context and nuance to make sure you know exactly where I'm coming from. All right, Uh, let's run through this. The question I've got is, do you believe there is or have you come to encounter a theist of any kind whose ideas you could come to respect? And what, where I'm coming from on that is this idea. So last time we talked, I kind of got Eric and this is V I'm talking to right now. Is mm-hmm. right? And who's, who's the other person here right now? Thomas. Sure right now. Thomas, hey, nice to meet you. Okay. So last time I talked to Eric and V, they kind of gave me their perspectives on where they went into Christianity and where they came out of it. And it seemed like the common thread was a genuine search for honesty and truth. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like an inescapable need to figure this out, to really figure out where you're coming from and what you believe. Mm -hmm. And you almost came to an inescapable conclusion at the end of it. So the way I've been coming up, coming out with this in my mind is it's almost like I'm standing on an island mm-hmm. and there's an ocean of questions around. And eventually you got to take the plunge. Eventually you got to dive in if you really want to know. And it seems like there's this collective of people that have done that. Mm-hmm. And no matter what 
side or what perspective they started out on, they've jumped into the ocean of questions and they've come out on the other side, a different person, whether they reached the same conclusion they started out with or a different conclusion when they ended. They've come out a wiser person for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm hypothesizing right now that no matter where you start and no matter where you finish, you can look at the other people who have done this same thing, gone on this journey, and have at least a little bit of respect for them, whether they come out on the other side as a Christian, a Buddhist, or this or that or the other, or an atheist. And so that's what the question boils down to, is would you share that ideology, or do you think that uh, when you disagree or when you have a different view on theism or atheism, Mm -hmm. regardless of the journey, if it's just... If there's just nothing that can be gained from a theist, I suppose. Um, That's a good question. Uh, My initial thought there would be, okay, I have respect for anybody who jumps to that ocean. Right off Mm -hmm. the bat, it's a scary thing to do. Anybody who decides I'm not just going to take what's being told to me and I'm going to go and find answers myself, that by itself is worthy of my respect, and I respect that fully. Um, There are also many theists whose thought processes I do respect and admire, but whose conclusions I disagree with. Um, And I can point to where I think that their thought process and their their, uh, rationale break down and where I would go in a different direction. Um, But that doesn't mean that I disrespect them as people. Um, I think that a lot of them are extremely smart people who have a lot to contribute to the world in other areas. Um, it's just that we disagree on the, the question of whether or not a God exists. And I can respect the fact that they've asked the question. I can respect the fact that they have gotten themselves up to a certain point using logic or using philosophy or whatever. Um, my only quibble with them would be then uh, whether or not that logic was sound, whether or not that philosophy was uh accurately done, um, and whether or not the conclusion is borne out by that. Um, but again, that would be a, a philosophical and a rational debate and not necessarily hinged on respect. Well, you also mm-hmm. phrased it, Josh, as do you think that there is anything that we can get out of like, out of that relationship? And if you're talking about getting something out of it, I think that there's, you know, you can have a conversation with someone who is way down the you know deep conspiracy rabbit hole or who believes in all kinds of crazy woo and stuff and you could still have a positive like net result by through that interaction now on the one hand it's like if you wrestle with a pig you're both going to get muddy but the pig is going to enjoy it at the same time though if you're strengthening your arguments or you're learning more about their position and how to debunk it or why it's wrong then you've gained something You've come away with something that you didn't have before. Now, if in in the notes here it says, you know, that you were wondering um, if we believe that there is a theist whose ideas we could respect. Now, when it comes to respecting a person versus an idea, I think that there's a very strong distinction there to be made right. because I can respect a person. And I can respect their their thinking processes, just like V was saying. A great example of this would be uh, Martin Gardner. He was one of the fathers of the modern skeptic movement, and he would debunk, you know, psychics and the paranormal and faith healing and all kinds of crazy claims. But at least until his till late in life, I believe his entire life, I could be mistaken on this. He was at the very least a deist, if not a theist, for a, a good percentage of that. 
And he kind of had this this conclusion that, you know, well, you know, maybe there's some higher power out there somewhere in the universe. Maybe it kickstarted it. I don't know. You know, and I didn't I don't necessarily see that as harmful. I'll, I'll take a thousand Martin Gardeners. Now, I, I think that that can be harmful if, if you're believing things without, you know, that aren't justified based on evidence. But I don't see it harmful to the same extent as a faith healer who is claiming that they can cure your cancer and you don't need to take your meds. And so... He came. He may have come to a different conclusion than me, but I still respect him as a person. I respect the way that he applies skepticism to every area of his life. I just think that he's taken a step to believe something, and at that final belief, the the theistic or deistic belief, I don't respect. I don't believe that ideas deserve respect. So I I, I respect his thought process. I respect him as a person. I can interact with. Well, I can't interact with him anymore because he passed away. But I I respect everything that he contributed in his lifetime. But that final conclusion, I'm like, no, I, I don't think that it's warranted. I don't think that it's it's grounded in evidence. Right. Another example would be uh, the the people who, like uh, Isaac Newton or right. or the, the philosophers and scientists who had this con- concept that there was a God and so there must be order in the universe. So they went to go find that order in the universe and they came up with some really awesome stuff because there are laws of physics, there are laws of, you know, you know, there are these things to find. The impetus for going to find those things is misguided and wrong, and I don't respect that. I do respect what came out of it, though, because uh, it has informed scientific theory and allowed us to progress. So it's not a, a yes or no kind of situation here, I don't think. It's not a, you are a theist, therefore you have nothing to contribute, therefore I don't respect you, any of that at all. Um it's just mm-hmm. on this one on this one topic. No, I don't respect the conclusion. Um, but then we get to argue about that, and that's fun. And as long as both of us are, you know, willing to debate honestly and and uh, talk together as uh, people who are honestly searching for answers, then I respect that. Yeah, and you know, honestly, that's 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 really what I'm looking for, just in people in general. Yeah, is is just an honest search for the truth. And there's an ability to respect anyone anywhere that's looking for that same honest or that has that same honest search. I agree. Oh, yeah. That's that's very comforting to hear once again. Good. I'm Uh, so glad you called that. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's, it's great to, oh, it's great to have honest talk with, honest talk with with y'all. I I agree. I I love these calls. (laughs) Thanks yeah. so much for calling uh, in, Josh. Appreciate it. Oh, actually, before I go, could I yeah. propose one more thing? Sure, okay. super quick. So this is this isn't a this isn't a like a philosophical question or anything like that. This is just an idea. So last last time we talked, y'all talked about the idea of changing like the intro song or anything like that. Have y'all done that yet? Oh yeah, um, we are in the works. Uh, our producer just showed us some really cool footage and mock-ups uh, before the show. So that's uh, that's ah. happening soon. Hell yeah! Okay. Um, is uh have you already picked a song or anything like that? Um, there are a couple in the works, uh, but there is uh I think a thread on Reddit uh that is open to suggestions. So if you have any suggestions for songs or uh intro video or anything like that, definitely drop that into the Reddit and we'll look at it. Cool. Okay, cool. Awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you call or taking my call. Thank, Thank you, you so calling. much, Josh. 
Okay, we really got to speed through. We um, have time for one more? We have time for one more at least. Um, I do want to get to Brandon because he says he has a justification for hell. Um, and then we've got a couple atheists on the line as well that I want to talk to super quick. So, Brandon in Arizona, you're on for about five minutes. So, let's get down to it. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I wanted to uh, give uh, Thomas a justification for hell because, uh, you know, he doesn't understand why there should be eternal uh, punishment for anybody. And uh, there shouldn't. that's where. Yeah, neither do I. So let's let's get into it. What's the what's the justification? Well, basically, because, you know, God is is holy. His nature is holy. How do you know? And, you know it's, well, this is, you know, of course, what the Bible teaches. Okay. You know, and, and, you know, I believe the Bible is God's word. And, you know, I mean, Jesus is, is God manifest and revealed to the world in the flesh. This sounds like preaching, was, Brandon. Where's the question? Well, Can we get back to the question? Sure. As far as, uh, well, I'm just trying, um, my call was more of an explanation as to why there is a hell. Because, you know, once we sin, then there is a separation from God. So that's where, uh, you know, there has to be atonement for sins because of if, if as the Bible teaches, if God is holy and he's a, a holy, perfect and righteous judge, that means every single crime or sin must be punished or else he would be less than perfect. Okay, so this question for you, question for you. If uh, God wants to bridge that gap of separation, can he? Yes, that's what uh, why Jesus died on the cross. He he did bridge the gap. But that there's still a hell. Yeah. Pardon me. Why is there still a hell then? Because of course, uh, being a righteous judge, he has to uphold the law. So Who made the law? He, uh, he did. This is you know, why did he write the law that way? Yeah. Why did he write a law that he doesn't want to uphold and makes him sad that he has to send people to hell for? Because of you know uh, he's trying to say that you know here's how you know if you want to live in uh, an eternal life and you want you know in, in order to be in his presence you know because the, the Bible teaches that you know he is spirit his spirit he is a consuming fire and the best analogy to explain it is you know uh, uh, you know in in holiness you know you, we would also be like a you know this this fire. But when we sin, it, it's like that dies, and now our nature is more like a, a, a dried-up leaf. So, Brandon, Wait. let me let me get this straight. So, God is all-powerful. He's capable of anything, right? Sure. And he wrote all of the laws. Sure. And he created us exactly the way that he created us. Well... I mean, after the fall, our okay, but but we are the we are the product of his handiwork. We were created in his image. But my my yeah. point is, we weren't so, created by someone else. This was this was God's design, and right. according to your framework, so God is all powerful. He writes the rules. He made us this way, and the best that he could come up with was. Uh oh! I'm gonna set up this system where they're basically predestined to fail because you know I'm I'm giving them you know I know how their psychology works. I know that there's this you know snake that's on the loose that can talk to them and tempt them, and I'm leaving them alone next to it. I know that they're gonna fall because I know everything and I'm omniscient. But I'm gonna put this apple in the garden that one of them is gonna come along and eat and convince the other one to eat, which is gonna make it so that they can't appear in my presence even though they can because I can come down as Jesus and be in their presence, and Moses can see me, but other people can't somehow because he saw his back, and 
there's all these weird loopholes, but he made this system where people can't be in his presence or else they'll somehow burn up. But then his solution is to slaughter his own son in order to somehow make it go away. But not just that, you have to believe on it without faith. The the one entry to, you know, barrier to entry is credulity. Like this is his system. I'm not an engineer and I could come up with something a hell of a lot better than that. Jesus is God himself became a man. He did, you know, it's not, he's not punishing, you know, he's not uh, torturing his own. Don't give me that. The Bible itself is, you know, talks about Jesus as, as, you know, claiming to be God and claiming to be, you know, and, and, and Christian doctrine says he's fully God and fully man. Like this is, you can say, oh, well, he's not really God. He's a man, but you're, you're bending over backwards in order to make this work. It's well, still not a good for. system, Brandon. Well, uh, I mean, you know, you're not the creator, so I mean, you don't get. Oh, these don't don't give me that! Like I, uh, you just said I was made in God's image. So yeah, if if I have if I have a sense of morality and a sense of right and wrong because I'm made in His image, or because I ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and so I know right from wrong, then I can tell you this: this is a wrong system. You can't say that I know right from wrong and then say that I don't know because I'm not God. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Brandon. Well, I mean, as far as I don't think you, you know, any human being really understands the depth of the meaning of the word holy, what it means to be holy. And this is why there's a contrast of good and evil. You know, how would you know good unless there was evil? That's kind of why we have to go through this experience in order to, it's all about getting to know him. Getting no, to no, him. Brandon, Brandon. That's, so we no. don't know good from evil, and yet we're punished for all eternity because we do things that are evil without knowing good from evil? Well, and I mean, but he made a simple, uh, a very simple solution to the problem of he has to uphold the law. A really stupid uh, solution. He came before the invention of the printing press, allegedly. There's not even good justification to believe that Jesus actually did the things that he did. And it's written down secondhand, handed down, translated, and even uh, good chunks of the world haven't even heard about it yet. And this is his system for getting information out there when he's all knowing, he's, you know, omnipresent, he's everywhere at once. He could just appear pop snap his fingers and everybody knows he could put it right into our brains and yet this was his system brandon this doesn't make sense let me ask you then i mean so you believe that evolution is the is the origin of life brandon that's a whole other rabbit hole and we we don't have time to to start defending evolution i have done videos on my channel holy kool-aid but i i feel like that's a massive distraction that you're bringing up right now and i'm not i'm not trying to dodge it i would love to talk with you about that on any other day but we are almost almost out of time okay but i mean you're saying this is a stupid solution yet i mean you believe all life sprang from a rock no i don't believe life sprang from a rock i believe that life came together naturally (laughs) from organic material rocks are not organic material there is no way around it that is what evolution certainly teaches no it's not brandon Brandon, Brandon, i I really strongly encourage you to go and read about evolution yeah brandon this is not what you about evolution brandon there's only a limit brandon we learned from evolution brandon hi hi can you hear me yep okay thanks for calling in brandon All right, let's oh go God. to... They always straw man. Like, they, they always straw man evolution. And it, it's, you know, I've, I've done videos on evolution. I have a, a series called The Story of Life where I talk about abiogenesis and I talk about how you can have 
organic molecules coming together and forming the building blocks of life naturally. And this is stuff that we observe. These are things that we test. We may not have every piece of the puzzle, but we have a pretty good idea of the picture. And we're getting more pieces in it every single time. So Yeah, if you're going to call in yeah. here to talk about evolution, come with something that isn't Ken Ham or Ken Tovin. Ken Tovin. We'll we talk came about from it. a rock? We no, that's demonstrably not what evolution teaches. Okay, um, and don't throw it out as like a distraction from the fact that you can't answer the actual question, because don't think we didn't catch that. That he called to ask. <laughs> All right, we've got two more calls on the line. We're going to shoot through those super quick, and then we're going to jump into the Discord. So if you want to talk to us uh, for a couple minutes after the show, some Q&A, we're going to stick around for that. Um, and then, of course, Vanguard is going to be premiering at 3, 30, 3 o'clock. Uh, all right, so let's go to Patricia in New York. Let's see if we can get you on the line again. Hey, Patricia, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me this time? Yes. Yes, yes we can. Awesome. Uh, sorry about earlier. Um, I know you guys are running out of time, so I'll try to be quick. For sure. Um, I am an atheist personally. Uh, my brother just recently got married about a year ago. I was hanging out with him and his wife recently, and the subject of kids came up. Mm -hmm. And at one point, they were like, something about religion and kids came up in the conversation and they were like, we realized we can't have that conversation. So we just put it in a box and put it on the shelf. And I found out later that um, my sister-in-law is very much not interested in raising the kids with any sort of religion. Okay. Um, looking for some advice to try to help her convince my brother, or maybe I can try to help convince my brother that, raising kids with religion is or forcing them into the religion is not necessarily a good plan. Hmm. Well, part of me thinks that uh, this is, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I do not think that children should be indoctrinated. I don't think that raising a child with a specific religion is, uh, is beneficial and sometimes can even border into uh, abuse, honestly. Um, not saying that that would be the case in this instance, but I'm on, on the same page with you there. Um, I am also hesitant about uh, encouraging you to broach that subject just because there, there is a level of, uh, it's, it, if they have children, it's going to be their children and they are going to have to decide that for themselves. So I don't want you to have to take this on yourself as something you feel like you need to do. Um, so I just want to make sure that that's not happening, that you're not taking this on yourself as something that you feel obligated to do, because that would be something, if, if that was being asked of you, that would be outside of the scope of something that would be logical to expect. Right, right. Um, I do no, think I that the best advice that I've heard about this, um, and again, this is coming from somebody who doesn't have kids and isn't planning on having kids, um, the best advice came from Daryl Ray um, on one of these shows, and he said that the best way to uh, kind of bridge that gap would be to have uh, have them learn about all the religions, you know? So definitely if, if your brother wants to um, talk about his religion with, with his kids— that's uh, his he is free to do that but then uh also uh suggest uh talking about other religions with them and presenting them all as options all as equally as viable quote unquote 
um, along with the idea that, you know, maybe maybe they're all wrong, you know, and give them as much exposure to as many different worldviews as possible, uh, not only to make sure that they have the right and the autonomy to choose when they have the cognitive capabilities to do so, um, but also to uh, make sure that you're presenting it as not an either or, right? It's not a Christianity or nothing situation. It's a, well, I believe in God. Okay, which God? There are hundreds, there are thousands, there are different religions, um, and they all have their own uh, Christian, uh, Christian creation stories. They've all got their end of the world stories. They've all got their own moral codes. Um, so my suggestion would be saying, okay, if you want to talk to the kids about uh, Christ, Okay. I also want to talk to them about Krishna. I also want to talk to them about Thor. I also want to talk to them about the Buddha and all of these other, uh, these holy figures, um, in order to give, give those kids the best, uh, the best grasp, get their arms around as many different worldviews as possible. Can I tag team on top of that, Patricia? Yeah, of course. I, th- I think what V said is spot on because it shows people, especially kids, it shows them that it's not the only belief out there. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend that you go one step further and that you also teach them about skepticism. And a very easy way to do that without being accused of indoctrinating them with atheism, without being like, well, how do you know that Jesus was raised from the dead, is to teach them a little bit about magic. Take them to a magic show. Show that when someone gets cut in half, they're not actually getting cut in half. You know, you can't always trust your eyes. And a great starting point for this, because I actually, I have nephews and nieces too, and I'm kind of in the same predicament. I'm like, I want these kids to fall in love with science and learn how the world works, but their parents are very religious. And so the question is, how do you communicate these things to kids that aren't yours? You know, it's one, it's not your it's not necessarily your duty or your obligation to, but you care about these kids. My approach is to, one, I am very out as an atheist. They know that I'm an atheist. So when they think of an atheist, Mm -hmm. they think of the friendly, loving, awesome uncle. And two, they... When, when I teach them stuff, I teach them about science and how the world works and how exciting it is, and I make it interesting, but it's more of kind of a Carl Sagan approach. It's like, look at how wonderful the cosmos is. We can go to a planetarium and learn about the stars, and we can go to an osteology museum and see all the bones of different animals and stuff and see how we're all connected and related, and then they get the foundations of science, and you give them a good foundation there, and then you teach them about magic— and skepticism, and you know, I know Matt has his magic and skepticism tour, at least he was doing a while back. Mm-hmm. There's a great course I just took on the great, not the great courses, it was a, a Penn and Teller masterclass that had these tricks that you can do to like make things disappear and stuff. And it's anyone can learn it, just you know, a handful of easy tricks you can learn in a few minutes. And then you can pull them out and surprise your, your nephews and nieces with these tricks. By and and show them, look, not everything that you see can you believe. You know, eyewitness testimony isn't always good. Things, you know, you can be mistaken, you can misremember, you can, you know, there's misdirection, sleight of hand, there's all these different things that can fool you. And when they start to see that, then they're like, wait a minute. Santa Claus wasn't true. Tooth Fairy wasn't true. A lot of people believe a lot of different religions based on where they're born. You know, there's reasons to be skeptical. Here's how we can test things. And you teach them how the scientific method works and how we can do tests and, and check and see and teach them that truth withstands scrutiny. And as they grow, as they get older and they develop these thinking school, these thinking skills, thanks in part to your help, then they'll be equipped to really come to a decision on their own. Yeah, and I mean, um, 
personally, we were raised as kind of like cafeteria Catholics. So we weren't super into it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know for a fact that myself, my brother, some of my cousins, even with that sort of lax Christianity, have developed serious anxiety disorders Mm -hmm. that were exacerbated by the church. And it kind of surprised me that he would still want to put his kids through that, even if it's, you know, just to have a baptism for grandma or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it and there can also be an element there. I don't want to jump in and overstep here, but if if your brother does have an anxiety, an anxious, an, an, I can talk. If your brother is anxious around this topic and does have anxiety related to faith and to his Christianity, then this might be an attempt to alleviate that by making sure that he's covered all his bases just in case. If he's going to have kids, he's going to care about them a whole lot. He's going to care about them probably more than anything else in the world. And if he has that lingering doubt, if he does have anxiety around this, then he is going to want to make sure that he's protecting his kids and his kids' souls if he believes in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that might also be something that he's struggling with, uh, in which case that might be something you could help him with before they actually have kids. But again, none of this is on you. This isn't something that you are supposed to be doing or something that you will fail at if you do not do these things. Um, The fact that you want to is great. Good. Okay. That's good to know. Um, uh, We need to jump to the very last caller super quick. Um, But call in again. Let us know how it goes. Definitely will. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you for waiting so long, Patricia. We appreciate it. All right. One last call. Uh, We've got two minutes. Okay. Okay. Nick in Wisconsin. We've got two minutes. What's up? Okay. Geez. uh, Let me uh, try to get this as best I can. Um, uh, thanks for having me. And I, uh, I wanted to call in because via a couple weeks ago, and this is during the holiday season, you said something I actually pretty strongly disagreed with. Interesting. What's that? Maybe, maybe I had it wrong. Um, you were talking about how when you're at your family for you know holiday dinner or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they'll all bow their heads to say grace, and you just won't bow your head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's wrong. Okay, why? Um, I think I, I, their house, their rules, they're feeding me. Um, and not only that, at family dinners like that, there's going to be little kids at the table. Mm-hmm. So if they look up and see me not bowing my head, all of a sudden I'm proselytizing atheism to them. And you know what? They're not my kids. Well, I mean, there's a, there, yeah. I can, I can see where you're coming from. I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, in my case, especially, uh, it's, it's my house too. Uh, that's the understanding that my mom has laid out, that this is our house, that you are just as uh, equal a part of this family as anybody else. So I have just as much right to act in a way that is in accordance to my beliefs as everybody else in that room. Um, and I think that honestly, part of what, part of what my goal is, is to embody a free thought, for lack of a better term, for my younger siblings. So if they look up and they see I'm not bowing my head, I consider that a win, honestly. There's also the, the morality, there's also the, the morality argument against it for if you are bowing your head and practicing a religion simply because, you know, you're there and, and that's what everyone else is doing, that's profoundly dishonest. It's it's saying, hey, I'm I'm a part of this. I'm you know f- following this belief that I don't believe. Okay, um, fair enough. I I know we're running out of time, but um, I, 
this, this is kind of a similar situation. I uh, was on vacation in Thailand one time, and we met some locals. They were really nice. They showed us all the places that tourists don't go. Mm-hmm. One of the places we went to was a Buddhist, Buddhist temple. And um, when you leave the temple, first of all, it was an amazing cultural thing. But when you leave the temple, you have to basically pick up the statue of Buddha and put it over your head as a sign of respect. I did that. I don't, I'm not Buddhist, but I did it because, you know what, I was in their temple. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the way I see it, you know? Mm. Well, there, I, way, I see that. And I think that that was probably the right call um, because you were being polite. But I think there's a big difference between visiting a foreign temple with locals who were nice enough to show you around and being in your own house. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that we agree on half of this. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm not saying you're, you're, you're not a nice person or anything. It's just, you know, I, I would have handled it differently, basically. I, I just found my head, even if it's dishonest, you know what? They're beating me, it, and it's not my house anymore. It, it's my parents' house. Um, so that, that's the way I see it. Okay. Well, um, I would actually like to talk to you more about this if you want to get in touch with me on Reddit or Discord or wherever. Um, but we do oh, have to jump yeah. off. Um, but thanks for calling so much, Nick. Thanks. Thank you. I think on that last note, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think if you're going into a place of worship and you are choosing to go there, you know, I went to the Western Wall and put the yarmulke on. There's right. places where, you know, you go where you might take your shoes off in a temple or something. And I've, I've been to temples and churches all over the world. It's like I'm stepping into their place of worship. So I'm not going to be loud and disrespectful and start, you know, screaming there is no God. I'm going to follow the rules of the place that I'm in. Right. But when you're in a home, especially with family, it's like— just to not bow your head, you're simply saying, like, I'm being polite. You're not saying there is no God. You're not being vocal or rude about right, it. Exactly. You're, you're not saying, standing please there. don't pray in front of me. You're saying, you do you. I'm going to do if, me. Even if family's all gathered in a circle and holding hands, I'll sit there and hold hands while we do the prayer. But I'm just kind of like, eh, it's not my thing. Yeah. And and I'll I'll keep my eyes open and sometimes my nephews and nieces look up and I'll just kind of just smile or something or make a funny face. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, Usually make a funny face. I'm I'm sensing a pattern here with the hypnotists and in the prayer circle. <laughs> winks. I'm, I'm not going to go along with, <laughs> like, I'm not going to pretend to believe something I don't believe. Right. I'll be respectful in places of worship, but I'm not going to pretend like I believe it. All right. Can we get some crew cam up in here? Woo! Woo-hoo! Thank you, crew cam. Without these people, we'd be sitting in a dark room talking to ourselves. They bust their ass day in and day out and deserve much more than a two second clip tons of credit all right let's see if these love rings work because last time i forgot Mm -hmm. them there they are yay (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much for being on with me thomas this was a lot of pleasure we'll have to do it again sometime definitely maybe in a new building Woohoo! Whoa! All right. So you guys know, for all of you who don't believe, we're here for you. We love you. You're welcome here always. We're your community. And whether that's online, whether that's on Discord, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, or if you come by Austin and actually have have dinner with us one night, uh, we we love getting to talk to you. We love getting to know you, and you belong. For those of you who do believe, we, we don't, don't hate, hate you. you. We, we just, just think, think you're wrong. wrong.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.